Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and you know what time of year it is. It's back-to-school time, and time once again for all of those after-school activities. Whether it's ballet or football, drama or field hockey, band or basketball, kids' feet need to feel good. Those cleats, sneakers, or shoes for a band often don't do those young feet any favors. If our kids are going to stay active and healthy, then they need good feet. That means it's also time to take your kids to the Good Feet Store. Yeah, that's right, the young ones, the kids. Bring them into the Good Feet Store and let's treat them to some personal service. Our team members will measure their feet and find the right art support for them. They can still wear the shoes they want, but they will have the support to make them comfortable now and keep their feet healthy for the future. It won't take long and it could change their life. Go to goodfeet.com to make an appointment or just stop by the location nearest you, the Goodfeet Store. We this is are live, live television. Now. This is live wow. now. See, like I've so. learned in taping. <laughs> you exactly. Can, oh, no, we're live. We can't do this. Okay. We are live. All right. So I'm going to introduce you now, Jim. <laughs> Great. So he's won four Grey Cups and the only XFL championship. Jim Barker has had a storied football career as a coach and administrator and general manager. Joining the Canadian Football League in 1996, Barker became the youngest head coach in 1999 when he replaced the legendary Hall of Famer Don Matthews in Toronto. Barker was a CFL Coach of the Year in 2010. Today he's an analyst for the CFL on TSN and he's so much more. And he's broadcasting live from Mama Martino's in Etobicoke in the Toronto area, which I hear is the best Italian food in the area. The thank best. you for taking the time. <laughs> thank you for taking the time to join me, Jim. Oh, it's great to be here, Debbie, and see you again. It's been a long time since those Calgary days and you with the Colts and all you True did that. for youth football back in those days. Aww. So yeah, it's good to be here and and uh answering your questions well first let me ask you jim because there is so much uncertainty as in sports and zero job protection why on earth would anybody in their right mind want to be a head coach in pro football (laughs) well you know what when you when you start out in anything you, you work to be the best. There's 40 professional football head coach, actually 41 now. There's nine in the CFL and 32 in the NFL. I don't count I don't count the XFL, and I used to be in that league, so I have the right to not count it if I don't want to. So I look at it as basically 41 professional head football coaches in, in the world. And to be able to be one of those is, is really an exciting thing. Now, it's it comes with obviously a lot of uh how do i put it there it comes with a lot of uh angst you you always you never think you're ready when you get there you realize you're not and you grasp for things to try to figure out based on that have happened to you i i was fortunate to have got to work for don matthews twice and he was the greatest 
the greatest coach I believe in the CFL. And, and I got to learn from him so often as a head coach, you know, things would come up that I just had no idea about. And I would say, what would Don do? And that kind of helped me through. So yeah, no, it's something you strive for. And, and it's, uh, again, the people in this profession and the football and, and coaching, they're, they're very driven and they want to be the best. And when your job's on the line every week, it's probably the one thing about doing television that's different is my job's not on the line every week. You know, I mean, yeah, I have to, I can't stumble and I, I can't do stupid things, but, um, as long as I don't do that, I'm, you know, there's no going to be no winning and losing and that kind of thing. Yeah. There was, there's a certain buzz to that that makes some people go. And that buzz of every week, I would go to the market and I would look at, I would just think if we lost, I felt like people were talking about me. And if we won, I, I was able to walk proudly through the grocery store. And it's, <laughs> it's a freak thing. I know nobody probably even cared or knew who I was. It's just something that, as a coach, you go through. So um, I miss that buzz. I'll, that That's the one thing I'll miss is having your job on the line every week. Everybody knows whether you won or lost. It's not like a lawyer who can go through and run all kinds of cases and nobody ever talks about it. In this, in this business, every week you get a report card. You <laughs> pass or you fail. That's kind oh, of a, a little bit of craziness goes with it, right? <laughs> Kind of an, adren- adren- an adrenaline rush that some of us just need. You know, we don't have we don't have other crutches in our life, so that's the crutch we have is is that adrenaline from if I lose, I could get fired. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, how did you get your first break? So, when you your first pro break, my first, I was actually coaching small college football down in uh, the States. I was a head baseball coach, actually, and uh, assistant football coach. And I was up for tenure. It was a very academic. In fact, we, in 1992, we got more students came to Pomona College, which is where I was, than Harvard. I mean, it's that type of school. It it was, uh, um, you know, just very academic. And I enjoyed it. But I came up for tenure and had a problem with the head football coach. And again, I was the head baseball coach. And a guy named Bob Price, who had worked at Nevada, well, Don Winnack had worked with me, but I got to know Bob through Nevada. And Don was going with Bob with the, the Montreal team that Don Matthews had coached, came from Baltimore. Don had coached him in Baltimore. Then Don went to Toronto. The team, though, went to Montreal. Bob was the defensive coordinator for Don, got that job, and uh, hired me. I had been a guest coach in Saskatchewan in 1994 with Ray Yock. And, uh, in fact, Glenn Suter, who's now, you know, the guru of all gurus when it comes to football commentating, he, uh, uh, he was a free safety for that team. And, and holder for Dave Ridgeway. So that was my first foray into the CFL. 
and so two years later, I got a chance to go up full time. Uh, just had a run in at the college and said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I came up and back in those days, there was two coaches on offense, Peter Voss and myself. And I coached the line in the front and he coached the back and the quarterbacks. And I had been coaching quarterbacks and things. So this was something I hadn't done since I first got into coaching 20 years earlier. Um, I'd gone from, I was an offensive line coach my first two years. And then I evolved into coaching quarterbacks and coordinating and things. But Bob, Bob wanted to hire Peter and I, and Peter was only been a back end guy. So I went to the coach the front and that was great. So I did that for a year. And then, uh, the guys on my line in Montreal had played for Don the, in 1996 in Baltimore. And Charlie Carpenter and Adam Rita left on after the 96 season when they won the Grey Cup in Toronto. Don called and said, Jim, do you want to come to Toronto? I did, We had, this is a great CFL story. So after my first year, uh, in Montreal, we we lose in the Eastern final. So I go into the office just expecting it's going to be like, okay, this is what we have to do in the off season to get ready. Uh, no, I went in and uh, Jim Pop said there is no more Montreal Alouettes. Our owners are pulling out, and you won't get paid anymore. And you know you're done. So here I am. I've took taken my family up. I have two girls at the time that were in junior high school. One of them actually just turned 39 yesterday. So that's how long ago it was. They were in, yeah, they were in ninth grade nine, one in grade nine, one in grade eight, I think. Anyway, so I'm there with no job. And uh, like I say, about a month and a half later, Don called, asked if I wanted to go to Toronto. So uh, I take the job. I go to Toronto. I no sooner land and I get a call from the University of Virginia. And I flew down there just to see what it was about. And they offered me the offensive coordinator job. A guy named George Welsh was there at double what I was going to make in the CFL. But the chance to work with Don and there was something about the CFL that just it grabbed me and I just turned it down and said, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm young. It wasn't about the money for me. It was about what do I want to do with my life? And I loved the whole pro football and dealing with pro athletes. And in Toronto, I was going to get an opportunity to be with Doug Flutie, who to this day is the greatest player I've ever been able to be around. Um, and I, so I turned it down it, you know, it just wasn't about money at that point. It was about, you know, my career and what I wanted to do. So I did that in 97 and, and 98 and Don left and here I was three years in the league. And then I got the head coaching job in Toronto wow. in 99. And, uh, yeah, so that kind of, it was kind of a, a quick run. And never look back. <laughs> well, I, I've looked back a few times. I was a coach oh, yeah. for one year, and then they sold the team. Another right, great, right. another great only in the CFL story. Right. Is I never got fired after that '99 season. We made the playoffs, and I'm just going in to work. And I know the team's up for sale, and um, 
Interbrew had owned them, uh, Labatt's. Interbrew right. had owned the team. Uh, they owned the Rogers Center, but they had sold the Rogers Center, I guess, I guess to Rogers. Then it was the Sky Dome. It wasn't the Rogers Center back then. Anyway, I go in in January, and my kids are in school, and I go in to the office, which was just a trailer, and the key didn't work. So I called the CFL office. I said, okay, my key doesn't work to my office. Does that mean that I'm fired? And they said, well, well, we won't say you're fired, but yeah, the team got sold and your contract wasn't part of it. I guess we should have called you. <laughs> oh it was just, yeah, it was pretty amazing. So yeah, but then I got the opportunity to go down. I was in the XFL. I was the offensive coordinator of the LA team there with Tommy Maddox. Scott Milanovic was our backup quarterback. Um, and started that started my relationship with him. And that was just a great, a great experience. Why I think the XFL CFL has some things to I never want to see the CFL go to four downs. No four down t- league has ever made it. If the mm. NFL wants to extinguish in Canada, yeah. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere in the world, mm. they can't make it if they're trying to. I love we're in the greatest three down football in the world. I'm, I'm, I, I tell I coach in the, the number one greatest three down football league in the world. And that's what we are. And it's a different game. There's guys starting in the NFL that couldn't play in this game because it's a different game. It's a space game. And that's yeah. what Canadians need to embrace instead of trying to compare it. So when I hear about the XFL, the one thing I would think the XFL has that's very interesting is their their salary structure, the way we did it um, back then. Cost certainty was there. Every player made the same. Quarterbacks made 5,000 more and kickers made 5,000 less. <laughs> and then and then you got win bonuses. The team that won got a $2,500. Every player mm-hmm. got a 25. Every player and coach got a $2,500 bonus. So... We, we ended up winning seven games, and then the championship game was a million dollars, winner take all. Wow. Well, that was – it's easy to motivate pro players when they're playing for that kind of money. And anyway, that's the, – the salary structure there was – would work in the CFL. The CFL, the problem, I don't know, from my experience is they have trouble controlling themselves because winning – everybody wants to win. So we're going to give this guy this little extra under the table, or we're going to give this guy this little, you know, thing that maybe doesn't count on the salary cap. You know, before you know it, they're, you know, they're, they're over and they, they can't make money and they can't sell enough tickets to pay the, the you know, the salary cap. Thing. So I, I don't know. It's just a, it's uh there's some problems with the business model. The mm-hmm. XFL, I believe, had a great business model. I thought Vince McMahon had the right thing. The other thing the XFL can bring is international exposure mm-hmm. through The Rock. I think The Rock is an international figure. And whether it's, again, I would prefer that the XFL keep playing playing four downs on the small field. We keep playing three downs. Every team in the CFL goes down to the XFL and plays three or four games using Mm -hmm. their rules and every U S team comes up to the CFL and plays Canadian rules. Now you're going to see guys like these big nose tackles 
that play down there with no yard off the ball, see how they do in the Canadian game. I think it would be fascinating. Be fascinating to coach because coaches would have to have a background in the 12 man, multiple motion Canadian rules, which would open up a lot of jobs for Canadians, for people who have been in the CFL, um, to be on staffs in the XFL. So I think it would be a that would be what would be great. Don't lose the three downs up here. Don't lose, I don't even want to lose the ratio. I think it's what makes our game unique. Uh, management was so fun because of the ratio. It's not just go get the best player. It's you gotta you gotta work this, you know, Canadian ratio in. So, now you as you can tell, I'm fired up about. This. Oh yeah. Well, you know that that also brings me to when you are because the other thing that makes the CFL unique is that you've got the import and non-import players. So when you're a coach or a manager how are you deciding what planning goes into forming that team? How do you decide what players you want on the team? I know you have to have a certain roster of non-imports, right. which means Canadian for those who don't know anything. Yeah. The non-imports. CFL, but, right. and then what, how does the locker room dynamic play in it? Because you could have the most talented player in the universe playing mm -hmm. for your team, but he's got a, a terrible attitude. Well, I've had a few of those. I, you know, I had Lawrence <laughs> Phillips. Um, right. you know, I've, I've had some of those. He's, he's universally known. He's or yeah. internationally known. <laughs> the the American players or the internet, they're called international players. The, 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 the American players that come up here, if they have the right attitude about what the Canadian League is all about, they usually flourish very few problems i think that the american players get a uh an appreciation for what the canadian players do and the canadian players a lot of them have been playing at canadian rules since they were little kids up through mm -hmm. high school i know in vancouver they have some four down leagues and there's a few places that play four down but for the most part they play three down football they understand the motions and and uh, for example, Canadian fullbacks understand how to how to how to motion and time your motion because you can't do that stuff in the U.S. So there's an a there's an appreciation by the American players for the things that Canadian players can do. Now, with that being said, it's all about it's like everything supply and demand, and the supply of Canadian players is nowhere near. Although it's gotten way better in the last you know, in recent years. Um, but uh, to find your best Canadian players, and that's why the draft is so interesting because you can't necessarily just draft the best player. You have to find the best player who's going to be able to make your team better in terms of, like philosophically, I've always believed you always strive to play five Canadian offensive linemen. 
Hey, Jen, we need to sell our home. Do you know a great agent? I do. We just sold with a local Redfin agent. It was awesome. And we paid a 1% listing fee because we bought our new home with Redfin, too. Wow, 1%. Are Redfin agents full service? Totally. Our Redfin agent did it all, and we sold for thousands more than the home next door. I'll check out Redfin today. 1% listing fee when purchasing with Redfin subject to minimums, terms, and conditions. Does not include buyer's agent commission. Learn more at Redfin.com or call 844-759-7732. My first year in this league in Montreal, we had the Baltimore team that came up. We played five Americans. I didn't I didn't know it. They just said, we'll play the best guys. And so we did. We played five Americans. Well, you just can't get by doing that. We had Jock Climey, who was pretty good at receiver. and uh, But we had to have so many Canadians on defense that it made playing five Americans on the offensive line not. So Dan Payne ended up getting in one spot and – we had one other guy. So we ended up playing, I think, the season for most part with two Canadians and eventually the three. But, but philosophically, I've always tried to play five Canadians on the offensive line. And I think the Canadians understand the space. It, you know, it's a playing offensive line in the Canadian league is way different than playing offensive line in the American mm-hmm. game because of the yard off the ball and the kind of guys. Charleston Hughes could never be a defensive end down there, but he's one of the greatest pass rushers in the history of this league because he's quick. He understands how to use leverage. You don't have to be real big. The real big guys get locked up. And again, one of the things I think our officials this year are doing a great job of is not calling a hundred holding. They could call holding every play at Chris Walby. He, he made a living. He told me, he and Miles Gorell both, they made a living just holding guys and said they cannot call it every play. That was the philosophy. <laughs> and, and, and I think they got to where, they, where the refs were calling it too much. I think they're back to letting these guys play. And, again, it's – but that's, that's my first thing is I'd love to try to get five Canadian. That's my philosophy. Everybody has a philosophy. Then – if I end up with a free safety that I think is great, okay, I can play a free safety. We had Mike O'Shea and Glenn Young, who played in the NFL also. Two Canadian guys played linebacker for me when I was with the Argonauts. I mean, I was fortunate to have some great Canadian players. Um, when you can watch a game and not know which players are Canadian, then you're doing a good job with your Canadian talent. And yeah. I think that's kind of the way it is now. Somebody who doesn't know can't look out and say, oh, that, why is he playing? Um, where maybe 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't the case. So, uh, you know, I, I think I find that part of it fascinating. I know there's a lot of a lot of people even in our league that want to abolish that and just play the best players. They say, we want to see the, the best possible players. I, I get that. And maybe it's just because I'm so old school, but I, I love the ratio and I love the the thinking that goes into it. You lose a you lose a, a Canadian tackle, how do you replace him? Okay, do you bring in an American? That means you got to now take and put a Canadian somewhere else, so you're taking an American off the field. That that whole planning of okay, what happens if he gets hurt? What happens if he gets hurt? That's 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 what I love about managing the CFL. Oh wow! And and also on top of that, you're playing the uh, the money cap as well. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's and that's 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 where things get into get dicey, especially is. if you've got Doug Flutie as your quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, if he's making that. That's right. That's you again, don't have a lot of money to. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was talking to Ed Hervey right before he signed Mike Riley to what was the biggest contract since Doug Flutie when he got seven hundred plus. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know what. All I know is it was up there. I'm, I talked to Ed. I said, so how high are you going to be willing to go? He goes, as high as I have to. And quarterback is what it's about. You, I mean, in terms of this, it's difficult to win without an efficient quarterback. It's very difficult. Now, Dane Evans last year comes in for Jeremiah Mazzoli. Nobody had ever heard of Dane Evans. He comes in and he plays at a very high level. Kudos to the coaches there, that Tommy Condell, things like that. That doesn't happen. That's a rarity. Normally, what happens is, you know, you have to be good at that position. And so those guys mm -hmm. command a lot of money when you have proven guy. But didn't Rocket Ishmael also get a lot of money when he played? He did. <laughs> didn't he get was didn't he get like the more than the quarterback at that time? But he was the he was the last of the players the there were that um the CFL bid against the NFL. Right. That was the last year, 1992 was the last year and it was before i was in the league i've just heard about it that that the cfl was bidding against the nfl so that's why he got so much money um again he was like adrian peterson he's he was like the greatest college yeah. player of the time yeah yeah but you know when you look at, at our league quarterbacks are going to they make the most money and then the next most money are canadian offensive tackles that are good chris van Zyl, those kind of guys that are Canadians, but they they're better than any American you can bring up and they're going to get a lot of money because they're just, they're not as many of them. So, you know, I love that part of, I love that there aren't many cities around where you go to, and it doesn't matter how big or small it is like all through Alberta, you know, you go to, you go to, uh, Stetler, you go up to Hannah, they're going to have people who, have, well, they have Nickelback, but they're going to have people who they're going to know who have played in the CFL. And yeah. that's the beauty of the CFL is it touches from coast to coast across our country. And it gives kids an opportunity to say, I can play on TV one day. That's there, that, There's a lot of value to that, that, I think it's kind of everything cyclical. I think it's kind of coming back to that. I know TSN's numbers this year are higher than they've been in a long time. Mm. Maybe the year off had a lot to do with it, but I also think people who were kids then are now dads and they remember what it was like and they want their kids to have those kind of dreams and, and enjoy it that way. So uh, it's exciting to watch and haven't been up here now for shoot close to 25 years I've watched it go through cycles and right. it's uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've how involved I've been at the grassroots level and watching the improvement in junior football and the improvement in the CIS and the college football has been, it's miraculous. I mean, it's, it's been amazing. There's so many more kids now going to the U S to play college football um, just because they're, they're so well groomed as, as youngsters in the youth leagues in 
it all over. Well, you know, I was familiar with Calgary because I was there for so long and right. I was involved with, with all those teams. But it's the same thing in Montreal with Sun Youth and in Vancouver. And it's all over the country. Manitoba. I mean, they go from Andrew Harris, a Canadian-born running back, gets hurt, and he's replaced by Brady Oliveira, another Manitoba kid. That's that that that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I just think the the Canadian League has so much to offer, and the ratio is a big part of it. Would those guys be playing? They're good enough to be playing. Would they be playing if there was no ratio? I don't know. I just think that's such a big part of what this is all what what the Canadian Football League is all about. I would hate for us to lose that. And again, it's I'm old school, but <laughs> but I just I just I I want to keep the ratio. I want to keep playing three down football. I do want the quarterback to count as a Canadian, and I've fought that yeah. for the last 15 years. I I think if you're this week, Michael O'Connor is going to start in Calgary. I mean, it sounds like uh, that Bo Levi is not going to be playing. We don't know for sure, but that would that would have Michael O'Connor start. Well, that's a great thing. That should that he should be able to count as as one of the twenty one Canadians, and uh, he doesn't. He counts yeah. as he can count as a Canadian star, but he doesn't count as a twenty one Canadian. Because the roster's made up of 21 Canadians, 20 Americans, and three quarterbacks. It doesn't matter what they are. Well, that's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. So So can you tell me, I mean, I don't, it'd probably be very difficult for me to pick this off too, so that's why I'm asking it. (laughs) What would your favorite on-field or off-field moment be, memory be, from from your career? I know there's so many. Uh, it's so special. You know, by the thing that I'm most proud of is last year, four of the head coaches were on my staff and back in, in, in Toronto in 2012 is watching. Now I've got, you know, uh, two young kids in front office. Nobody's ever heard of probably Chris Rossetti, Curtis Recavina that came to me as interns. And one is now second in command, I believe with the, with the dolphins and the and Curtis just got promoted to a, a pro director with Buffalo. I mean, I'm proud of those things. Ted Ted Gavaya is is one of the, the leading um, personnel guys in Winnipeg. He had never done personnel. Those are the kinds of things. Watching coaches, you know, uh, come in and go out and have you know Jason Moss was an assistant with us. Goes out. I mean, Orlando last year's Grey Cup. Orlando and Osh had never coached until 2010. Osh was selling um, medical medical parts. Um, and I, if you want to ask what, what – that's one of my greatest moments was, in terms of just proudness, was watching the two of them up on stage, Osh and Orlando. Neither Osh was selling medical equipment. And Orlando had just taken a job with Cintas, the uniform thing, and I talked him out of it. And they were both first-year coaches on my staff in 2010, brand-new staff in Toronto, and then they're playing in the Grey Cup. And that was, what, nine years later um, from when they had, they had never coached prior to that. that. I take pride in that. And 
Uh, you know, I mean, the Grey Cups were all great. Uh, the 2012, obviously, hosting the the 100th Grey Cup in Toronto. I mean, that was a that was a special week. But it's the people you deal with. I mean, the players and and you know, I have players. A, a player they just just contacted me because saw I was on TSN, um, and I won't say who it was, but uh, he said, you know. I, I just never told you you were just my you were my favorite coach of all time. Well, no. those kind of things, those kind of things yeah. get to you. And so, knowing that you're, it's the people you impact and the people that you, the relationships I have now. I mean, I I have, like I say, I, I'm a Canadian citizen now, and I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm proud of yeah. I'm proud of being able to, uh, to know that. It's interesting. In 1999, after I'd gotten the Toronto job, Mike, I talked to Mike Holmgren about going down with him, and and he said, "Jim, you know what? You have such a great thing there. You're you're in such a short time. You're a head coach. You stay there and do that. That's that that's that's what. In hindsight, you know, who knew what the money would would have? Because back in those days, it wasn't that big of a difference, right? Um." And, you know, the money just, I mean, the guy who got the job, actually, when Mike's first job, this was before I was up in this league, was John, he hired John Gruden for a $8,000 quality control job. And I had four kids and I couldn't afford to do it. John Gruden gets it. That job that we kind of taught Mike Sherman gets, and he ends up being the head coach of the Packers. And <laughs> But then he came to this league and he got, he found out. Yeah. You know, the CFL is a different, it's, it's a. So I like I say I would not trade my time in this league for anything. I've had some opportunities. I've opted to stay here because it's it is a fabulous league with fabulous people. Like here, I'm doing this interview in Mama Martino's. Okay. Bruno Bruno Martino that owns this has been a friend of mine since I came to Toronto. And it's just friends, like real friends. And it's it's uh it's rare up here in Canada and as far as I'm concerned. So that's awesome. I don't know what else. Well, yeah. <laughs> you've, you, I had a list of questions and you've pretty much answered all of them in all your answers, <laughs> which is awesome. I mean, this well, feels like our old talks when we would talk for hours in the oh, office. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we would about how we can get this Calgary, <laughs> these Calgary Colts going. <laughs> and how are they doing, by the way? Is there only one junior team in Calgary, or are they still going? Yeah, there's just the one team. Uh, oh, gosh, you know what? I haven't even – I've been so busy setting up all this other stuff. What? I haven't even paid attention, so that's my bad. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, the, Keith uh, Evans, Stan Schwartz, those guys oh, did such I'm, a – Yeah, it, I mean, I people, mean like the people you, of Calgary have no idea – of the kind of work that was done by by those kind of people that they spent hours on hours oh, yeah. on hours for nothing to try to promote football and they did they did yeah. a lot of good players came through it rob cote played a little bit there um johnny frizzani uh you know without without the colts johnny frizzani would have never got a chance to play in professional football so no it's it was great yeah. 
it's 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 been a wonderful well it's all we're all family we're like uh, a family all across the nation right so it's that's true how I feel about it's true yeah, and it's uh, but true. so i can't even imagine i mean as far as i know as long as i've ever known you were involved with football but can you imagine how would your life been different if you were not or can you even imagine that yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, it's hard for me to to imagine it. It's been yeah. such a part of my life, my kids. Uh, like I say, my my youngest, I you know, my youngest daughter's thirty seven, and um, I have one that turned thirty nine yesterday, and they still to this day talk about the CFL games and how much they miss, you know, being a part of that. Uh, three of my grandkids are Canadians. So, uh, you know, we're born in, born in Calgary. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I'm just blessed. I'm blessed to have been able mm -hmm. to be in this league at a time that everybody thought was, uh, maybe it's not the best time to be in this. I mean, I've, I've had teams fold on me. I've had not gotten paid. I've had, all, I've gone through all of it. We've had, not, we've, I've, I've been the GM of a team that had nowhere to practice. We didn't know where they were going to practice. <laughs> But I've been through all that stuff, but you know what? I wouldn't trade one second of it because yeah. it's it's what makes this this league great is the people in it, the players, the coaches, the administrators, the league office, the people like you that work at the grassroots level, the the, the youth coaches. You know, to this day, I went over to uh, to watch a baseball game, and you know just kids kids still they come over and they talk to you and they i just i love that about canada so yeah no i wouldn't trade it one thing and i i, I feel like one of the most blessed people in the world to have had this be such a big part of my life and be able to meet uh, you know people like yourself that are just they're they're they understand what i'm about in terms of trying to trying to grow the sport and, and, uh, you know, some people think it's, it's, uh, it's too much football and me, I probably could have been a better dad. I'm sure I could have been a better husband, but you know, it's just, it's part of what, what we become and, and, uh, it's part of your DNA, it's part of my DNA. I don't know. I don't know that I could ever get the CFL out of it. Yeah. And now I get to talk about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't have to worry about saying anything about it, you know, about, oh, we're going to play this guy this week or we're right. I don't have to worry about any of that. I get to just <laughs> say, what are they doing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, Jim, thank you from the bottom of my, of my heart. Oh, and thank you to Mama Martino's yeah. for setting this up for you. <laughs> yes. This is my new studio. Anytime I need awesome. a studio, I'm coming into my Well, next time we do this, make sure you <laughs> There you go. Thank you so much. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Debbie. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 